every life has a story. And every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story. They are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Welcome to Kingdom Stories. This is Nathaniel Costia, and tonight I have a very special guest whose church is not that far from here, maybe less than 1,500 metres. I'm talking about Tristan Lewis, who's a pastor, who's a husband, who's a father, uh, married to a beautiful lady, um, Jane Lewis. If you haven't seen her, you probably, if you're in Perth, you would have heard a lot about this beautiful couple. They lead Generation City Church here in Mirabuka, and we will have him speak at our church soon. But before that, we want to hear his story right here tonight. Welcome, Tristan. Thank you so much, Nathaniel. It's fantastic to be here and an incredible opportunity just to share my heart and, you know, what God's done in my life so far. Yeah. We're, we're so close yet. There's yes. a major road dividing us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's good. Yeah. Um, you took off, uh, was it eternity when you took it, when you took over? Yes, yes. So when we first stepped in to uh, lead the church, it was called Eternity Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, t- probably about 18 months ago, I really felt that it was time to, um, it was it was a time for a new season and a new identity for us as a church because it was, we'd been there for that, that period of time where now the church was carrying my heart and Jade's heart yep. and so it was more of who we are today which is Generation City and a key part of that was you know mercy love and truth as well yeah uh, they're three of our key pillars uh, nice. they're, they're at the church as well so, so 18 months ago you changed you rebranded mm-hmm. and yes. with Eternity how long were you with Eternity before that as a that identity uh, for, well, the church is 13 years old. Okay. Uh, so, so it came out of Potter's House? Yes, originally. Yep. Originally, yes. Yes. Yep. We are an ACC church, which yep. is Australian Christian churches. Yes. Nice. Yep. Yep. Today. Yeah. Yep. Were you and always so, in Perth? Sorry. Uh, yeah. So I was actually uh, originally. So I, um, no, I wasn't uh, when I came to Perth uh, uh, out of Teen Challenge. So myself, I, came, I was living south of the river. Um, when I met my wife Jade, you know, we found ourselves uh, at a church called Airport City Church, which was in Belmont, close to the airport. very close to the airport. The uh, planes would we would hear them mid-service, and it was always very very interesting. Very holy, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and it was just great. And and so uh, and our youth group was called Run One Way. <laughs> run one way. That's run good. one way. Yeah. So you know, uh, I think it was from John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's but, funny. Yeah, but also obviously the airport and the run one way. So yeah, and I was uh, there uh, working with the youth and the young adults for nine years. Wow, nine years. Is with that Pastor still Ken, on? With Pastor Ken, Ken Fletcher, that church is still there today, uh, but it is now Nations Church. It's okay. part of Nations Church. There's quite yes. a few of them around now. Nations, Nations. yes, yeah. yes, there are. Yeah, there's probably, oh, I, I couldn't tell you, but probably at least dozen. eight. I'd say at oh. least probably maybe eight because I think they have a couple of international as well, but, you know, I could be underselling them. Uh, they, they're a great church doing great things. Wonderful. Yeah. Yep. Were you always in Perth? Are you born in Perth? I was born in Perth, yes. Okay. Yes, born in Perth. Yes. Uh, Brothers, sisters, siblings? Oh, yeah, so I've got two older sisters. Two uh, older sisters. Two, two older sisters, which was always interesting. Uh, my older sister is 10 years older than me, and my other sister is nine years older than me. And so there was a bit of a gap be- between us and uh, a younger brother. So my younger brother, I like to tell him he's three years younger than me. He likes to tell me he's two and a half years younger than me. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. But, yeah, look, um, we, we're a close family, you, you know, loving parents, uh, brought us up uh, with Christian values and uh, brought us up going to church and attending church every week, which was interesting uh, for, for me um, because I probably didn't have a personal connection w- yeah. with God growing up. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. Love, love my family. Wonderful. Good family, yeah. Did you grow up in church or connected to, to Christ or not much? Yeah, not, not, not a lot. Um, so for me, I actually couldn't speak uh, I, for, from a very young age, obviously because my, my elder sisters 
you know, much older mum and dad had raised children before. By the time I was about 18 months, they were saying, there's something a little bit different about me. But why isn't Tristan communicating? Why is he punching us when he wants something? Why is he just coming up and hitting us? And, you Grabbing, know, well, yeah. yeah, and just taking things. Why, why is it? There are no sounds coming out of this boy's uh, mouth. And so that that was quite um, frustrating for, for my parents. And so by the time I was actually three, I was in speech therapy classes. And uh, from public that- Public speaking classes. <laughs> public speaking classes. And, and, and I still couldn't communicate very well, even once I got to kindy yeah. um, and pre-primary. And because of that, uh, you know, that inability to communicate and to talk, I was actually kept down in pre-primary. And so I felt like a failure. Mm. I felt like a dummy. Mm -hmm. I felt useless and worthless from a very young age. Uh, and, and it really impacted me quite a lot. It, it had um, lasting, you, you know, self-confidence uh, impact where I, I just didn't have confidence. I didn't believe in myself. I thought I was a failure. Like all my friends going into year one, yeah, and I'm and having to repeat, and I'm left behind. Exactly, and, and so I think from that moment, as a young person, I just had this 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 angst against the world. I had this anger towards my teachers, towards my parents. You know, you've heard you've heard the saying. You know, many people, life's not fair. Well, you know, um, and so I really, but I lived that out. You know, I lived that out from yeah. a young age, and so because I felt like life wasn't fair, I played up a lot to get attention, and I still wasn't talking and communicating well. Yes, I was learning words, and I was certainly mixing up different. Do words. Do you remember that period? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So to a certain point, I think I probably blocked a bit of it out. But I do remember, you know, the, the primary school that I, that I was attending at that time and I remember the location and all those kinds of things and the different kids and friends and and there's some things that I do remember, yeah. uh, but there's a lot of things that I don't recall from, from that age as well. And I think that's probably because I have blocked those things out. Um, but, but I think, you know, and even I think because of that, uh, you know, I sort of, well, what if I can't talk, if I can't communicate, does God mm -hmm. love me? Mm. You, you know, does God love me? Well, is there even a God? Does he care about me? And, and so I went on this, this venture of believing that God didn't care about me yeah. um, and believing this lie that I was worthless mm. and that I would amount to not, nothing. That's um, harsh. And, and it was really difficult and, and I got bullied a lot. So I was bullied quite a lot as, as, a, young, as a young boy and that had huge impact on me had huge impact on me. But it was interesting because the two guys um, that didn't bully me were my sister's boyfriends. Uh. And they became role models to me mm -hmm. from a very young age. Yeah. And I was looking up to them yeah. and aspiring to be like them. Yeah. Um, I love the way they lived their life and they seemed to be happy and joyful and all those kinds of things. But also they were living a life that was certainly not for God. And um, I found myself being led astray. Um, and they were actually, um, well, one of my brother-in-laws, in fact, was the first person to introduce me to drinking alcohol mm. um, from a very young age. Another brother-in-law um, wasn't necessarily him directly, but I was associated, I was with him at a particular point um, at a particular party where I was introduced to smoking marijuana for the very first time. Mm. And it was, it was because of um, family influences that yeah. I found myself, um, you know, been introduced to these things at a very young age. And that age, I was about 12 at that point. And I was still searching. I was, I was looking for belonging. I was looking for purpose. Mm. I, I was like, What's my life about? I can't, you know, for such a young age, it was only, you know, I'd only just begun to have more confidence in speaking and talking and being able to communicate. And, um, you know, I was, I was looking, I was trying to discover who I was as a person. Yeah. My How parents was your little brother? My parents would take me to church every week. 
Oh, so you, you did go to to church, Christian, yeah, Bible believing Baptist, church, Baptist, oh, Baptist. Okay. the Word, yeah, great, the, the Word. Yeah. And you went to Sunday school. Went to Sunday school every 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 Sunday. So you had biblical understanding, mm -hmm. good environment. How was your little brother uh, going? He didn't have a speech impediment, or no? It's interesting. My older sister and um, my younger brother are very very intelligent, very smart bookworms mm -hmm. um you know very yeah very blessed with their mind uh and their ability my other sister and i you know we're, we're great you know yeah um she's she's fantastic but for me I, I was the one that you know i couldn't speak for whatever reason but also when i when i look back at it in hindsight and it's easy to look back in hindsight but from the stories that my mother's shared with me is she said when i was born and she held me in her arms that she had a vision of me being a preacher and speaking the word of God. Wow. Yeah. And, and the work that devil, you know, went to to stop me from fulfilling that, to stop me from stepping into that, um, you know, and, and obviously through a speech impediment where I couldn't communicate and I'm in speech therapy and, you know, even I, I tried to kill myself as a young 13-year-old boy. That young? Yes, yes, yes. On on a couple of occasions, on a couple of occasions, yeah, I was just like, you know, I went through my mum's medicine cabinet once and I found Valium. Yes. <laughs> I thought, I'd hope. And anyway, I certainly overdosed on that. Um, my parents took me out to this um, beautiful church function. And um, before we went on this church function, I'd been in mum's medicine box and found this Valium and I'd taken a couple of these tablets. And so by the time we arrive at this function, I'm floppy and sleeping. Oh. And, you know, the mum's, mum and dad's life group, you know, home group was called for them. They knew the struggles and the battles they were having with me. Yeah, as, as a young boy, but they were just like, "What is going on with your son?" You know, and they had no idea. You know, and um, that I was I was a sort of boy that I was always getting into things that I shouldn't have been getting into. Mm. I was always doing things that I shouldn't have been doing, um, looking for that attention, looking for that belonging, that acceptance. Where do I fit in this world? Um, I think I was probably maybe maybe I was about. Oh, probably about the age of sort of between eight and nine, I found myself going through my sister's room. And uh, what are older sisters for? You That's know, right. You go, to oh, explore. Mate, yeah, to explore, to explore. Uh, and I used to find lollies, which was That's good, good, which was nice, chocolate, you know, all those good things. But I found her cigarettes this one day. And uh, I found myself um, playing with her cigarettes and lighting them up. I think it was her... 18th birthday and um anyway i was just playing with these you know cigarettes i didn't really know what i was doing at that age and uh, and i found myself just lighting them up and messing around i was throwing the matches she had a little bit yeah you know by the bed and so i threw it you know through the matches match. in. Yeah, yeah yeah and next thing i see flames i'm like oh dear you know like what am i going to do here and at the same time i heard my dad call my name he's like tristan and i'm like Oh, I thought he was at the door. He's like, we've got to go, you know. And so I ran to the bathroom. I got a flannel and I wet the flannel and I threw it over the over the flames, flames yeah. the burning flame. I ran out into the car, Kingswood. I think we had a Kingswood, you know, that time, that stage. And it could, anyway, um, anyway, we went out and uh, we we had to come back to to the to the family home. And Smoke, not in a fire. Fire. Fire, yeah. Someone had actually come around to say happy birthday to my sister. I think it was um, John. His name was John. Anyway, he's he's gone. Oh, it must be out the back. There's light out the back. So my sister's curtains were on fire. Oh, oh dear. Yeah, I, I was often getting into things that I shouldn't have been getting into uh. from a young age. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so you were introduced to alcohol and introduced to marijuana. Yes. And you took yes. them on or just as a taste? Look, I, I took them on just as a taste. It, it was just more of a they're doing it. I want to be accepted. Cool. I want to be cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, guess what I did on the weekend, guys? Yeah. Had some alcohol. 
drank some beer. So you told that uh, to my mates oh, to, to, at, to, school. To, at school. So, yeah. so you go back Monday, you tell your mates at school, guess what I did? You, you know, and then all of a sudden there, there's this, oh. Competition. Well, not competition. There's a bit more of an acceptance or, yeah. you know, oh, we want to come and hang out with you. Because I was always searching for that belonging. I was, and at the end, of, I wanted to be loved. Yeah. That's what I really wanted. I wanted to be loved and I didn't know how to be loved. Mm. And, and I think really because, because I couldn't, and, and I know I'm majoring on this, but because I couldn't speak. Express yourself. Because I couldn't express myself. Yeah. Um, I didn't know how to. So I was looking in all the wrong places. Yeah. And because of that, I actually put a lot of walls up towards the love that my family were giving me, towards the acceptance of who I was. Yeah. Yeah. So I put these walls up towards mm. them and I was looking in all the wrong places. Um, and yes, were, so were your parents aware that you were doing stuff? No, no. So you hid no. that. Very oh well. yeah, yeah. Because I wasn't doing it every weekend. At that, okay. You know, very young. And but 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 I'd always I'd work for my brother-in-law on the weekends. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, Thursday nights. Um, you know, they'd be a restaurant or uh, a business. A business. Okay. Yes, a business. Thursday night and Saturday. Um, and so, <laughs> and straight after work, they'd be drinking alcohol, and then they get the bong out. Yeah. Start smoking cones. But you'd smell, your clothes would smell, wouldn't they? Well, yes, but we, <laughs> yes, but, you know, I just come home and, I, you know, they, they, they were the ones smoking. Oh. Yeah, not me. Okay. I, I was just yeah, happened yeah. to be in that environment. Yeah, yeah, I hear. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so because um, my parents weren't open to those things. Sure. They'd been in the church all their life. They had no idea. Yeah. 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 So if I told them it wasn't me. And in school, you were still struggling, just passing through? Yeah. Look, I was actually a straight F student, year eight and year nine. Um, not proud of that. But, but they let you get through? Yes. Well, you, at the end of the year nine, I was called in, called into a meeting and um, at the school. And they said, look, we, we don't think schooling's for your son. Um, and so, but I had a passion for farming. I love I, I love farming. I still love farming. I love working with my hands. Yeah. And um, and because of that, um, the decision was made that I would actually go to agricultural college. So I was sent away to a boarding school five hours north of Perth. Whoa. Mm. Yeah. Perfect storm. Yes. Yes. Where's that near Geraldton? So well, if you go Geraldton, but inland three hours. Oh. Red dirt, Salt Lake Country, town called Morrowa. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. They have a, an agricultural, yeah, agricultural college there. There's probably about seven agricultural colleges in Western Australia. Yeah, there's one down yeah. south in uh, Denmark or Albany. Yeah, there's a, I, I think so, yeah, Denmark, um, Albany, Muresk, um, Corrigan, Narragin, I think. Yeah, way, yeah. yeah, there's a few. There's a few around. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, interestingly, uh, because of my age, 11, be, be, because of my 10. age, so because of my age, I was kept down <laughs> again. It, no, no, because I was kept down in pre-primary, I skipped year ten oh. and went straight into year eleven and twelve at the agricultural college. Into the agricultural college. Now, educationally, I was not ready for that. No. Uh, however, because I was doing something I really enjoyed, I actually did well. Yeah, I did well, um, and I got some ducks in some different areas uh, in that school, and uh, won some cash cash prizes as well when I graduated uh, agricultural college. But I found myself getting into a little bit of strife there as well, as you would, mm -hmm. because you know, for me, I'm like beautiful. No mum and dad to tell That's me right. what to do. This yeah. is this is great. Heaven. This is wonderful. Uh, every young boy's dream. <laughs> But boarding school, it, there's it, a lot was more it a boys boarding school or boys boarding? and girls, okay. boys and girls, yeah. So the, it was only introduced girls sort of about the time when I was when I was going. So there was only sort of two two girls, um, mm -hmm. you know, and even a couple of years before that it was only a couple of girls. I think now they have a lot more. Females. And this was state school or private? Uh, state slash private. You got to pay, it's private paying. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it's yeah. But you did yeah. graduate. Yes, yes, I did. I did graduate. Yes, yeah, yeah, did well. Were you still um, smoking and drinking? Drink? I was still, yeah. So I, you know, I played football 
Um, and so Aussie rules, football, that is. There's yeah. a lot of that down there because there's not much else to do, is there? Well, there's not. Uh, uh, Speedway, so race Speedway cars there. Um, played football, played squash and basketball. Great. Um, Beautiful sports. And so I enjoy all those sports. Today, I still enjoy those sports. Wasn't your church a squash court? Next door or a squash court? Still is. Still is, okay. yes. <laughs> yes, it's still next door to the squash court. Okay. Except I've hurt my hip. Um, I, I've torn my hip labrum. And, uh, and anyway, so <laughs> I haven't been able to play for about 12 months now. Uh, but I believe that God has healed me of my hip, so I'm going to reach out to someone for a game at squash very soon. And uh, get I'll, me, I'm going to I, test I've it. Never, uh, I think I only played in high school once or twice. So I'm looking forward win. to testing my, my, my hip out again. I've heard it's a great sport and yes. it takes a lot of stamina. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. You certainly know you've had a workout when you run around there, especially in summer in yeah. Perth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they were great sports and really enjoyed it. So, but what I would find, we would travel from one country town to another. Yes, yeah, uh, that's fun and great fun. But we would often find somebody to go to the pub and find some alcohol for us. Yeah. So after we played a game, often we'd be watching another game or another couple of games. Yeah. Uh, during that day, and so we would find someone to get go to a pub or bottle shop and get us some alcohol, and we'd certainly be sneaking some alcohol back. And then bus back. Bus back, yes, bus back. And then obviously if you got caught, there's consequences to those things. Um, and I'm not sure how I didn't get caught, but I didn't get caught. <laughs> I think maybe they, sometimes they just turned a blind eye. Yeah. It was only if you can. It wasn't that yeah. harmful probably. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so, so, so I found myself still dabbling in that. I found my still, myself still sort of drinking alcohol, um, and smoking marijuana occasionally, sort of, and then on a Friday to, night, on a Friday night. Came back to Perth, did you finish year 12 there? So when I finished year 12, uh, probably the day after graduating, actually, I was straight out on a station. Um, oh, they sent you? No, well, I got a job. Oh, so, so straight away, I got a job and started working from, from pretty much straight away. I've always sheep, worked. Sheep station? Sheep station, yes. In, in, in the outback there? Yes, yep, yep, in the outback. So in the Murchison, beautiful, beautiful area. Loved it, and uh, but also it was there where you know I found myself after work um, drinking a lot of alcohol uh, because was it common? My, yeah, very common in, in the Australian culture, very common in the workforce that I was working in um, around shearing sheds and, and all those kinds of things on the station, uh, in the farm as well. Uh, but for me, uh, one of the things that I, I had done as a young teenager was we would drink alcohol, but we wouldn't have one beer. We would just we would drink and drink and drink. Um, yeah. The only way I knew how to stop was when I started vomiting. Oh, and so for me that was the pattern that I took into my workspace. Mm -hmm. And so from pretty much day one, I'd be just drinking until I was drunk. And even uh, during work? No, no, after work. So after as soon work. as I finished work, I just start yeah. drinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so a lot of your money would have gone into most of my money. My first paycheck, I'd go to to the pub. Yep. Buy whole cartons of beer, bourbon, spirits. Jim and Jack became my best friend. Yep. Um, and I would just drink and drink and drink Yeah, mm. every single night. The, that, the bosses we had didn't care if you're working and you're performing and doing your job. Yep. That was okay. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they provided uh, accommodation and food and all those kinds of things. And So, so everything yeah. was disposable, that, yes. all the income. So you yes. could destroy it all. There yes. was nothing to save for. No, no. And and also I didn't I didn't have a goal. Yeah, there was no purpose. There, there was no purpose to life yeah. for me. There was no there was no direction for me. What happened next? I remember um, it was quite interesting actually. It was it was a Christmas, um, and I came to Perth and Mum and Dad invited us to church. And so I was all right. Christmas Day I'll go to church, keep Mum and Dad happy, and uh, they had a choir. And this lady from the choir, she just looked like she kept looking at me, you know, and I didn't, you know, I was just there. Um, but she just beelined me straight after the service. And this remember saying, God has a plan for you, you know, and he loves you. And I was just like, oh, yeah, thanks very Good much, on you. you know. Yeah, great, thanks. And that was it. Went back to, you know, and continued working. And, and I found myself sort of at the age of sort of 18 going on 19, I wasn't just an alcoholic. I was now waking up because my hangovers were so bad. 
I was getting the bong, smoking cones before I was going to work. Just to awaken. Just to function. Just to function. Yeah. Just to function. And so I wasn't now just an alcoholic. I was actually, you know, abusing drugs, yeah. marijuana, that is. Um, and so to support that, I started supplying it, selling it to different people, um, started growing marijuana, and I started supplying it. Yeah. I'd come to Perth, I'd buy, you know, ounces and, you know, pounds and all that kind of stuff, and then I was distributing it. I found myself dis- distributing marijuana. And as that sort of grew and grew and grew, I found myself um, not only selling marijuana, I found myself selling ecstasy, speed, cocaine, acid, basic GBH, any drug that was available on the market, I was yeah. selling. Um, yeah. And Up so, there in the middle uh, of I was selling it. I, but I'd moved back to Perth as well. Okay. So I was sort of, I was yeah. still supplying some friends up in the country, <laughs> marijuana. Um, looking after the mates. Looking after my mates. Uh, but then also I was supplying um, here in Perth. Uh, but you were also a user. I was I was a heavy user. I was, I was a heavy user and I was dealing. Mm-hmm. And so to support my habit, I was dealing. Yeah. 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 My, but I was using cocaine. I got hooked on cocaine, very expensive drug. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, to support that habit. I found myself, you know, selling and supplying, obviously, any drug that was available. It was actually um, New Year's Eve of 1998. And uh, I remember, you know, there was basically, there was no drugs in, in Perth at that point. And I made a few different phone calls and um, everybody said, no, we've got nothing. One guy, he rang me back and he said, look, yep, it's going to be okay. We've got a shipment coming. Um, you know, it's going to be landing in a few hours. I said, fantastic. Um, all right, no problems. And uh, I said, all right. And so I rang this other guy back. who He'd been, he'd been hounding me for days for some drugs. And uh, anyway, I rang him back. I said, look, yep, we can get that for you. No problems. Anyway, picked up the drugs. I walked into this house and I threw the drugs on the table, kitchen table. And I said to him, where's my money? With some different language. Of course. <laughs> Been very polite here. And uh, anyway, he said to me, he said, uh, he said, oh, my mate's just gone out. I've got to call him up and he's going to come back with the cash because you're late. And I mean, we'd been, you know, and we're all maybe facts. But anyway, I said, well, I said, give me your phone. Let's ring him now. Get him back here now. I said, I'm not hanging around. So all the money, I'm going. Next thing I heard was police, police, police. It felt like they fell from the ceiling. They came through windows everywhere. Every, everywhere. As they do. Everywhere. I ran as quick he as was I them could. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I ran as quick as I could. First doorway, second doorway was a bathroom, dead end. As I went to leave the bathroom, coppers jumped out from the shower. Next thing, I'm on the ground, guns in the back of my head. And I just remember I cried out. I just said, God, if you're real, I need your help. And in that moment, my whole life flashed before my eyes. God didn't speak to me. Nothing changed. But I just, in that moment, I thought, how am I going to tell my nieces and nephews? Mm. They, they flashed just in. Uncle Tristan. Yeah, how am I, yep. how am I going to tell mum and dad? I knew I was in trouble. Mm. I knew I was in a bit of strife. And um, I knew different people. And I knew a lot of people. <laughs> And so um, I was arrested uh, and as we were driving back, I was obviously cuffed in, in the back of the car um, and I started to just drop some different names of police officers that I knew because I thought, I'm in trouble. Yeah. And so um, anyway, nothing, nothing these, you, you know, I think, I think what it actually did <laughs> was they rang these cops and my family found out straight away. Yeah, somebody leaked it. Yeah, so straight away. Um, and I was, you just knew that I was in a bit of trouble at that point. I was interrogated for over 12 hours. The kind of people I was dealing with, I knew that if I said anything, I'd probably end up somewhere between here and Rottnest with concrete boots. Yeah. So I knew what I needed to do. Stay silent. Yeah. Mm. So and all the so, threats and all the techniques didn't work on you during interrogation or you just no. made it all up? No, I, I, no, 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 I knew that if, if I said anything, 
I, I was in a lot of trouble. So you didn't say anything, just chose silence. Yep. No matter yep. what they threw at you. Yep. Yeah, they just kept they just kept hounding and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. They wanted they wanted names. They wanted to know where we got. You know, they wanted to know every, absolutely everything. But my I valued my life yeah. greater than um, anything else, and I still value my life. <laughs> uh, it's interesting because you know, as a young teenager, I didn't value my life, and I was no. you know, and I was willing to take my own life. But now it's. You, the possibility of somebody else taking my own life? No, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, and so at that point, I, I knew I was in trouble, but I didn't know what I was going to do. And I remember ringing my dad and I said, Dad, I need you to come and bail me out. And he said to me, what have you done? You're an idiot. <laughs> You're a fool. Uh, and, you know, he was pretty disappointed with me. Eventually, I was bailed. I had to put my sister's house up as a surety um, um, because my parents were actually jumping on a plane the next day to go to New Zealand uh, for a holiday that I ruined. And mm. uh, But I just knew that I needed help at that point. I knew that I needed help and I didn't know what I was going to do. Thankfully, my parents were part of a great church um, that really ra rallied around them, supported them as much yeah. as they could. Um, and um, they, I don't remember all the fine details, but what they did do is they said, hey, listen, we need you to meet with this gentleman, Malcolm Smith. While you were on bail? While I was on bail. And so I met with Malcolm Smith, mm -hmm. and he pulled some strings, did something, I don't know, um, but I, I, was, I was up at... Um, the office that they had in Warwick at the time. It's um, uh, Kingsley, sorry, it's moved to Warwick. It was at yeah. Kingsley uh, at that point. And in that meeting, I just knew in my heart that I just needed to get to Teen Challenge. Mm -hmm. I just knew in here that I just had to be there. Uh, but I had a girlfriend who was not a believer, had not been raised in church. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't know what, what she was going to think about that. So I said, listen, I need to go to this rehab. Um, but for me, the reason I chose to go to this rehab was to get out of prison. Yeah. Because I decided... It was that, a good... Yeah, I decided that if, if I go to rehab, then I won't have to go to prison. Yeah. Yeah. And so within weeks, I think, I, I was in Teen Challenge in Esperance mm. uh, in the drug rehab centre. One of the beautiful things about Teen Challenge is um, there's a beautiful presence of God there. It's on, it's on a farm. Oh, Lake Grace. Lake, Lake Grace. <laughs> And, uh, but also, uh, they've got church every day. Yeah. So, so you go into what they call chapel. Yeah. And so I would walk into their, their chapel every single day and I'd sit on the back row. And uh, isn't the whole chapel a back row? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think that's where everybody starts. I think that's where everybody starts. And, and, I, and I just found myself every single time I was in this chapel, I just, I just sense this voice in, in, in here. The same voice that was telling me I needed to get Teen Challenge was I, was I was just hearing Tristan. I want you to give your life to me, and I just responded with the same response. I'm only here to get out of jail, <laughs> yeah. and I'd walk out of there and you'd do your classes and you'd do the cleaning and you'd yeah. do all these kinds of things, and then you'd come back the next day, the next morning, and you'd start again. And I'd hear this same still voice. Tristan, I want you to give your life to me. And I'd walk in, you know, with that same attitude, that same response, I'm only here to get out of jail. Mm. And it happened every single day for weeks, for weeks. And I was looking at these people and they were free and they were joy-filled and they were, you know, full of life. And here I was, you know, angry, bitter, and frustrated and annoyed at the world and you know and and i just keep wrestling with god keep wrestling with god and, I've, and at teen challenge you've got to do these classes every day yeah and my mum gave me a bible and it was called the rock <laughs> it was called the rock and it was an nlt translation right okay. and uh on the front of that she'd written 
you know, I don't remember what she she wrote, but she just wrote an encouraging message about how God has a plan for me and a purpose for me. And Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, she highlighted that, you know, it's filled with future and hope and all that kind of stuff. But I found myself and I turned to Psalm 52. Okay. A very interesting Psalm to turn to. Mm. And as I read it, it was like God was speaking to me. Every word penetrated into my heart. Now, I'm not going to say it word for word, but I'm going to paraphrase. It says, you love lying. You love deceitfulness. You love wickedness. You love bringing harm to others. I'm going to take you from the land of the living and take you and place you in a dry and desolate place. Well, I've lived in Perth. Now I'm in Esperance on a farm in the middle of nowhere. And I'm reading these words and I'm like, God, you're real. You're real. Yeah. You know everything about me. Yeah. Dealing drugs, wickedness, lying to sell, you know, everything. As I was reading this psalm, it was like, God, this is who I am. Mm. This is who I am. I just got on my knees in that moment. And I just said, Lord, I'm sorry. And I believe in that moment. I was yeah. a new person. Wow. I believe in that moment that I didn't necessarily say a sinner's prayer, but I certainly repented of my life. I certainly repented of my ways. Mm. And in that moment, I knew that God touched me and changed me. And I knew that there was something different inside of me. I wasn't the same person. They had a travelling minister coming through. Maybe it was, and I don't remember the time, it was either that week or the following week, but it was a Wednesday night. And they used to have, you know, these Wednesday night nights of worship and everything. And anyway, I remember um, this guy, he just preached a message and next thing, people were invited to come to the front. And as I came to the front, power of God just hit me. He prayed for me. I was filled in the Holy Spirit. Started praying in my heavenly language. And as I started to pray, and the power of God just hit me, it was just such a pure and 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 holy moment. God showed me that the devil was robbing me through a counterfeit experience. Yeah. Drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And what God had was pure and holy. And from that day, I've never looked back. Mm. I've had friends try to take me back. Yeah. I've had friends try to entice me back. Yeah. But in that moment, breakthrough thing, I was, I've never looked back. Never looked back. Three months into the program. I'd been charged with drug trafficking. Court case. Court case. Have to come back to Perth. Yeah. Otherwise your sister's losing her house. (laughs) (laughs) This is correct. This is correct. I told everyone, don't worry, I'm coming back. Don't worry, I'm coming back to the program. I'll be back down in Esperance soon. Yeah. I remember, you know, the the morning of court and the the lawyers and QCs having all their arguments and, Closing arguments. The judge addresses me, Mr. Lewis, I see that you've tried to change your life. I see that you've gone to this drug rehabilitation centre teen challenge located in Esperance. So they knew you were a user, not just a dealer. Because obviously they treat you differently if you're just a dealer than if you're a user and dealer. Yes and no. Yes and no. Yeah. Did they do a blood test? Did they know? No. They didn't know. No. No, they did some psych evaluations and yeah. different things like that. The court asked for, um, but because I've been in the in the program, um, you know, there was some favourable, um, I guess, um, <coughs> letters of recognition of me continuing the program. Sure, Mr. Lewis, I see that you've tried to change your life. I acknowledge that. I see that Teen Challenge has been a great help to you, but you leave me no option to send you to prison 
And as he read out my charges, sentence. my sentence, I was like, can't believe it. Don't let me down. I'm going to prison. I couldn't believe it. And so it, it, now what happened was I was given 12 years. Um, so I was given two years for all my charges. There were six charges because they got me on anyway. Um, but what they did was in that moment was he put the sentence concurrent. That meant I served my sentence all at one time. So it was two years. My sentence was two years. Rather than 12. Rather than 12. So doing it all at once. Yeah. Um, and so I was wild. And so I had to come down because I, 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 felt, I felt that I wanted some things to go a different way um, with, my, with my lawyers. Um, and anyway, we've gone down into the booth and he's like, he's got this big smile on his face. The lawyer. Yeah, he's happy. This is excellent. This Only is great. Years. This is fantastic, you know, exactly. And I was thinking 12, you see. Oh, you still thought it was Yeah, good. not until he, he said to me, no, no, this is, this is good. You've got two years. And, uh, and so I, I genuinely believe it was the grace of God in that courtroom. Yeah. I believe it was a miracle of God in that courtroom that I got the sentence that I got. Yeah. Yeah. Only by the grace of God. And so I'm forever grateful. I also believe that I needed to go, go to prison. Mm. I believe that um, if I didn't go to prison, um, perhaps I would have been enticed back into that scene. Sure. So I think maybe God wanted to bring a separation and a stronger separation uh, with the associates that I was associating with. Um, and so there was still connection there. There was still that needed to be broken. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And probably yeah. the years within you. Mm. The it was what I knew. It was yeah. what I knew. You see, even once I was released from prison, was very tough. I mean, I was involved in fights, uh, nose broken, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, you've got to stand up for yourself. I mean, you, you know, there's, there's violence. In everybody, prison. everybody gets done there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, prisons. It's easy, but it's not easy. Yeah. You, you know, they take advantage. Well, take advantage, but you lose your freedom. Can't do anything that you want. You, you lose all your freedoms. It's horrible. Yeah. You know, you're not getting up when you want. You're not going to bed when you want. You've got to eat when you're told to. You've got to, you know. Yeah. Uh, my, I value my freedom. Yeah. Um, Where were you? Uh, actually, I was, I ended up going out to Wurraloo. Okay. Yeah. Ended up going out to Wurraloo. So it was all that miracle. time, all those couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, but it was actually, it was interesting because when I actually went into court, sorry, I was, I was, um, had to go into, yeah, when I was waiting, sorry, after court and going to prison. That is the ugliest hour, isn't it? Oh, well, it was a couple of hours. You're down in the dungeon. But I knew one of the cops. Yeah. <laughs> so he took me into a private cell. Okay. And brought me all this food, Matt, because looked looked after me. <laughs> it was just another moment of God's goodness. Yeah, yeah. In in the moment, I'm like, this is you know. But then he's saying, "I got you, boy." Yeah, yeah. God's saying, "Don't worry, I'm going to look after you." Because by now you're a believer, you you're trusting God. Well, I'd had an encounter with God. I'd had a radical encounter with God. Could He transform me? Do you think the judge sensed that? Do you think? I, the, I believe he, so. I believe. Were so. you questioned? Were you, were you questioned or was it just the lawyers? No, it was just the lawyers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then it was the, the reports that, that had okay. been done as well. So, yeah. But I don't know. I, I genuinely believe, you know, there was people like Graham Mabry in the courtroom. Yeah. Um, you, you know, um, pastor of Mount Pleasant Baptist, you, yeah. you know, uh, 6PR radio host. Wow. You, you, you know, so, so huge support. I mean, yeah. the, you and know. he knew them. Uh, yeah. And so, so so I had massive support, yeah, but I still needed to go to prison, yeah, mm. and I believe that. Yeah. Did you grow in prison spiritually? No, no, I didn't. I, By choice, I, like you didn't want to, because obviously you had no, no. I, I had a desire. I had a desire to grow. I had a desire to go deeper in the things of God. Yeah, but I didn't have anybody discipling me, the father figure. So. Because you see, I ran with bikies. Yeah. And that's who was inside prison. And yeah. so I still associated with different guys in there. Yeah. And I still hung out with them. Some of them already knew you. 
yeah, they, they knew me. And so they, they were people that, you know, I associated with, but I didn't necessarily go and hang out with every minute. But my heart was still for God. Yeah. And so every, every night I'd be reading my Bible. Absolutely. Mm. I was reading the Word. I was praying. I was yeah. still seeking God in there. But I didn't have that father figure. I didn't have that that mentor that was saying, hey, okay, you need to do this now. You need to do yeah. this now. You need to do this now. Um, so when I was released from prison, I found myself um, going straight back into that same scene. And in fact, they'd hired out a nightclub and it was all closed and it was called T's Jailbreak, posters everywhere. So as soon as I was released, back into the clubs, back into that scene. Wow. Drugs everywhere. <coughs> and I remember some of my mates who came and I remember them sitting on the couch, tears rolling down their eyes, saying, don't walk this path again. Wow. Don't do this again. I was like, I'm okay. I'm all right. I had an encounter with God. I've been in prison. I was clean, yeah. doing well. Next weekend, I was back in the nightclub taking drugs. This happened for about another four weeks. Every weekend, back, doing the same thing. I can get tested. I'm on parole at any time. Yeah, and back in. And back in. Yeah. You know? I come home one night and I just sit on my bed and I'm like, God, I don't want this. It was as if Jesus just came and met me in that room. The presence of God just, it was just so strong. Yeah. I didn't, it was just, it was just a, a, you know, it was just, and I just said, Tristan, I've called you to something greater. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. I've got more for you. And, and as I was just sent, I was just like, I remember I rang my sister. She goes to a Pentecostal church, right? I rang my sister like at 6 a.m. Kaz, I need help. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, told you, you've got to come to church. Yeah. That Sunday I was in church. Wow. Tank top, big fat gold chain, <laughs> shorts, sitting on the back row again. <laughs> you know, the pastor. Familiar real estate. Yeah. The pastor, he's, he just starts prophesying over me. He's going, you're going to be in Bible college. You're going to be studying the word of God. and God's going to be using you and God's got a plan for you. And I'm just like, you don't even know me, mate, you, you know. And next thing, somebody jumps up and goes, I'll pay for his first year of Bible college fees. Wow. Incredible. So within two months of that, I'm in Bible college, studying the word of God. Incredible. Absolutely. That was the, I was, wasn't in my plan, yeah. wasn't in my, you, you know, thinking of, of moving forward and, and, and everything. But you see, here's the thing. God knew what I needed. Yeah. Because I failed at school. I believed that I was a failure. And you needed to do a, a course where you did it properly. Every Plus. single morning I was on my knees praying, God, would you help my mind? Yeah. Would you grace me? To go into that classroom today, I, I don't know how to, to study. Was uh, no, it was uh, Freedom Discipleship College, okay. and so part of the same as Victory Life. Okay, yeah, yeah. and and so um, every single day, second year comes around. No, oh, I really believe that I need to be going to Bible college. Yeah, somebody pays for my Bible college fees again. Okay, third year comes around. Third year. Somebody comes and pays for my Bible college fees again. Different people, every but but it was you know God just and what were and you, you know doing? the amazing what were you thing? working during this time? Here's the other thing: Are you staying at work at home? Where are you? Oh, okay, so there was two. I, I lived with my 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 brother for a period, okay, and then I moved in and lived with my auntie, and so she had an outhouse in Fremantle. Nice, and so it was great. I loved it, but she lived next door to a witch. Oh, which was very colourful. And so she would do all sorts of crazy things, you know. Um, and she'd get the hose and spray my roof and she, she'd go to Bunnings and buy all these multicoloured rakes and put them against the fence going into, like she was just, man, she was crazy. Um, but God still loved her and God still had a plan for her, but God was trying to do something in my life. 
Um, I still don't know what it was, but <laughs> build patience. I don't know. Uh, love uh, the, the unlovely. Um, love those who persecute you, definitely, all those kinds of different things. Um, yeah, so I was living with my auntie because my parents lived in Nornalup. Uh, so that's, you know, halfway between sort of Denmark, Walpole. I had a bed and breakfast down there. Okay. And so, yeah, and because I was, I was in Bible college, but I was working as well. And I was working a full-time job. Mm -hmm. That's the favour of God. Yeah. Because I was in Bible college Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, three days a week. Yeah. So Monday I'd work. Thursday when I finished at midday, I'd go in. So from 12 o'clock until 9 o'clock, Friday all day and Saturday all day. I was employed full-time, full-time benefits. What were you doing? I was in sales. Okay. Yeah, at a, um, at a company in uh, Retrovision. Okay. In uh, in Garden City, Brooklyn. Long, long hours. Yeah, not bad. I mean, sort of nine to five. Yeah, nine to five. But they were working on the weekends, yeah. so you could get yeah. full time. Yeah, well, what, like only that. Saturday, so no, I didn't work Sundays. Um, but it was just amazing, just the goodness of God. Yeah, and He just provided for me that whole time. I was actually in my last. I, I and I was desperate for a wife. Yeah, I think every guy is. Yeah, you know, we long for a partner. We long for somebody to do life with and journey with. Yeah, our man behind the camera is there. He's looking for <laughs> Yeah. We won't mention his name. Yeah. <laughs> um, eligible bachelor. Very eligible. I only met him just before. But my my life scripture is this, and may I encourage you and anybody else watching, it's Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Yes. So put God first. Keep seeking him. Keep pursuing him. Yeah. His right way. So what's that? Well, that's obviously living a holy and a pure life and being obedient to him. But but what Jesus says is these things will be added. Yes. Because he was answering the disciples. They were worrying and, and they were worrying about life. And he says, and he goes on and says, surely if the birds of the air are going to have food and, or, you know, nests and, you know, God's going to provide. Yeah. And so for me, Matthew 6.33 has certainly been a life principle. You put God first in everything, in every area, and righteousness, the right way that we're called to live, he'll add. Yeah. So as a follower of Jesus, there should be an addition to our life. There should be things being yeah. added to us. And so may I encourage you, if you're waiting for somebody, God's going to add. Amen. God's give, him, add. give him something to add on. God's going to add. So you put him first and he'll add. And so I was desperate and I was longing and I was just like, God. And I really felt like God say to me, I don't I was in my last year of Bible college. I don't want you to date anyone. Mm. I'm like, all right. I had my eye on a girl. And uh, as you do, you, you know, sort of is she Christian and all this kind of stuff. But um, anyway, I was just like, really, Lord? And he's like, No, I want you to finish your study. Yeah. I don't want you to be distracted. No distractions. Oh, okay, that's fine. You know, I can do that. One day, I received this strange phone call from a girl who was working at Teen Challenge. Jade, Jade. I was going to say her. Lewis. <laughs> well, she was McSherry then. <laughs> she was McSherry, Jade McSherry. She rang me and she said, um, you know, Malcolm's given me your phone number to contact because you're an ex-Teen Challenge student. And we're wondering if you would share your story in some schools. We're doing a bike ride from Esperance to Perth. Yes. Which bike? Yeah. So they were riding, you know, which is they did that over a week, a week period. And in each town they'd stop and yeah. they'd have different people sharing their testimony about what God had done in their life. And I was like, well, I don't even know who you are. So I said, I said I'll tell you what, why don't I come up to the office and, uh, and we'll come, I'll have a meeting and, and we'll go from there and I'll make a decision from there. Anyway, so I walk in and uh, walk into the office to, for this appointment and sitting there. I think she must have been nervous because I, I had to say, I thought we're going to have a coffee. She didn't even make me a coffee. Yeah. So I had to preempt, you know, can we have a coffee, a cup of tea? Anyway, as I'm just talking to her and, uh, and she's a beautiful girl, beautiful heart for God. And as I walked out of uh, the Kingsley um, offices at that time, as I was walking, oh, she down, was working at Teen Challenge. She, she was working at Teen Challenge at that point, um, and I just, I just thought, I'm going to marry that girl. Mm. And so I said yes to going on the bike ride. Nice. As we, as I was getting to know her, 
I noticed something. She had a ring on her wedding finger. And so I was quite disheartened at that point because I thought she's obviously she's engaged, engaged or engaged or yeah. married. And so I thought better find out a bit more about her. But it was a purity ring. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yes, <laughs> I, I could still be the one. Yeah. You mean there's a chance? There's a chance. However, God had said to me, no dating. So how do I balance this? How do I journey this? So you're married. You don't date. No. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. No, no. Um, we just I just went on a couple of coffee catch-ups. Yeah. Um, and I just really the more we can the more we caught up, the more we connected. The things we talked about were Jesus. Yeah. Seeing people's lives transformed. Yeah. Hearing about great stories about what God was doing. And we was talking about the things of God. And I was like, wow, you know, this I, I could spend the rest of my life with this one. Yeah. You, you know, and, um, and I, but so that, that continued on for a few months and probably, you know, and then I got to the end of um, Bible college, graduated, yeah. praise God. And um, when I graduated, it was probably about a week afterwards, I'd, I'd sort of, I took her out and I said, hey, listen, I think maybe I really like you. How about we take this relationship a step forward? We become, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend. She said, absolutely. She said, yes. Uh, four weeks later, I proposed. We were married within six months. Wow. That's great. Yeah. You, you really were decided. Yeah, I just knew that, she, you know, she's the one. And um, I'm not sure I'd recommend it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we both came from broken, broken backgrounds. Yes, yeah. but you, you know, wanted you wanted to do this so well, so much that you were going to make it work. Absolutely, absolutely, and we've made it work. You made it, work. you know, and so there's been some tense times or tense moments, but we've always talked it through and walked it, walked, walked and talked it through. We we're coming up to twenty years of marriage. Congratulations! Yeah, which and you have three beautiful children. Three beautiful children. My eldest daughter. Is eighteen in November. Wow, big eighteen. Yep. Next order is sixteen. Yeah, and turned sixteen boy. this year, and young boys eleven. But Mitch Noah, yeah, Noah, Alyssa, and Anna Lee, and they all love Jesus. And you guys lead Generation City Church. Yes, have an incredible honour. And you also have a ministry in the schools. Well, we yeah, we've got a couple of ministries uh, under the banner of. Yellow Ribbon Project. Yeah. So we work in the, we have been working in the prison system for uh, probably over 15 years now. Uh, predominantly, we've been in the female prison. Mm -hmm. So um, working with female offenders and ex offenders. Yeah. Um, and incredible honor and privilege to be able to do that and see the transformation of people's lives being transformed. But then also uh, in the juvenile prison as well. With the boys and the girls, yeah, um, and that's something new. We've done that previously, yeah, but we we are um, re, I guess, after COVID and you know all these different lockdowns and everything, uh, that door has reopened for us, and so we wow. start going in the next couple of weeks. And uh, there's nothing better than going into these places and spaces and seeing the broken restored and having a bit of self dignity and self worth uh, restored and re-established in their lives incredible wow. honor mm. through mercy love and truth same same mm. slogan same mm. verbs same life well that's what we try to carry yeah, yeah that's certainly what we try to carry what's yeah. next for you what's next you obviously opened another campus in midland so you're expanding your ministry yes we have opened another campus in midland um, and it's incredible just to see what God has done in the last six months there. Um, it's a lot of hard work, um, so I can't see us opening up another campus in the For short long term. term yeah. in, in the short term, both um, in terms of resources and energy. And well, I think yeah, resources, energy, time, all those kinds of things. Um, yeah, the team building, the, the team, all those kinds of things, and so you know we're not a huge church, mm. um, but we are on a passionate pursuit of Jesus to make disciples, 
Um, and so, yeah, I mean, obviously, when you're not a big, large church, you know, those resources are really important. Yeah. But we also felt it was really important that we did go into Midland when we went into Midland. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we're right, um, right in the centre, the heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, which has brought some spiritual um, pushback. Yeah. Um, you know, we're next door to a brothel, mm-hmm. a pub, and a TAB. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and uh, but we've seen the goodness of God. Yeah. Mm, all the time, continuing to come through. I saw a building for sale down there. Maybe you guys took it over. Um, very cheap because of that. It has heritage. It's mm. probably heritage listed, but in the middle of Midland, like for well, half a million dollars or something. Yeah, like wow. Really, really cheap. Wow. Well, please share that. We should send I'll, that. Have, I'll, I'll have a look. I'll have a look. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. But it yep. was. I was looking mm. at it mm. and I thought, man, that, that is extremely good value to do anything. Yeah, wow. Well, because yeah. if you look 10 years from now, 20 years from now, it will be untouchable. Well, absolutely, and if you look at Midland as well, they're, they're putting a university in there, all that yeah. new train line. Um, yeah. There's actually a lot of young adults that have actually moved into that area. Yeah. A lot of playing well. playouts. Yes, 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 a lot. There's yeah. a future. That town yeah. will be yeah. cleaned up yeah. gradually. And yeah. It's on the mend. Yeah, yeah. So what's next? That's a really good question um, because I don't have the answer for it. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess for me, I just want to keep loving people. Yeah, basics. You know, loving people, obviously loving God, but, you know, loving people. And what about in the family with, with your three children and your wife? What what do you see next? I mean, how do you see, mm. what, what's your desire mm. 20 years from now, 30 years from now? What would you like to see in the generations? I mean, you are a generation well, city church. Well, that's, that, that's why we became, what was it? The name came from um, Ephesians 3 verses 19 and 20, um, to bring glory of Christ Jesus to all the generations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's our heart, is to be a generational church yeah. where we aren't just, you know, and I said, so I think there's two things. Obviously, there's a legacy that I want to leave for my family, yeah. but then also the legacy of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're, they're almost the same thing, but they become two different things. Yeah, because at any point God could call me out. Yes, He could call me overseas. He could call me interstate. Um, I'm a servant of the Lord. Yeah, you, you know. So you want the legacy of the church to continue and to flourish and to grow. And so our heart for our church is to reach the lost, the lonely, and the broken. Mm-hmm. The in lost, it, the lonely, and the broken in in our city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yep. beautiful. That, that's our heart. Um, and so that's what we want the church to continue to do. But I think you are positioned very well in that because you have been all of those, both you and Jay. Mm-hmm. And if anybody would understand those people, it is you. Yeah. The two of you. Mm. Yeah. And so I think, well, I believe, I don't think, I believe there's a grace there yeah. for, for yeah. that. And for my children, I just want them loving God. Yeah. Fulfilling their plan yeah. that God has for them. Yes. Wherever God calls them, mm. whatever God calls them to do, yeah. I want them to walk that out. And so I so desire for my kids to be as passionate for Jesus yes. as what I am today. On Sunday was the first time I was in church because we have two campuses and so often we're in different places yes. uh, as a family. Um, and all serving. All serving, but my both my daughters were on the platform, on one the playing the piano, one singing. Hallelujah. And it was just like, thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. You were so good, yeah. you, you know, and for, it, just, it, it just fills your heart a little, you know. That's beautiful. It just fills your heart a little. Just go, thank you, Lord. Well, thank you, Tristan, for sharing your story tonight and just being vulnerable. And, you know, I'm sure it will bless so many people out oh, there. Thank you for your time. to see a life restored and uh, a life restored that now restores others. Mm-hmm. You're an inspiration to us and to many of our viewers and listeners. Thank you. It's been an honor. Thank you. Praise God. What a beautiful story. You know, uh, it's it's obviously beautiful to, to hear Tristan's story, but it's just, 
to know that he's a local man, that he's here, if you're, especially if you're here in Perth, you can actually go to Generation City Church, meet up with them, you know, have a coffee with him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, these, these people are here with us. And uh, it's beautiful to hear their stories. It's beautiful to be encouraged by their stories. And uh, it's awesome to connect with, with them as well. In fact, we will be sharing at our church soon as well. So watch this space. Um, yeah, watch these shows. Uh, you know, get inspired. Share it with others. I'm sure there are a lot of people in your circle who would love to hear the story. So please share with others and inspire them and encourage them on their walk. We look forward to see you next time. Until then, take care. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.